0: the last two weeks with her signature vivaciousness and passion. When the doctors discovered her advanced cancer last November, they informed us we should begin to make final preparations. Mimi had three months, four at most. Yet as she battled the cancer, kidney failure, and exhausting chemotherapy treatments, Mimi remained determined to give it the good fight. None of us said it for fear of relying on false hope. But we all thought Mimi would have at least four months, maybe five, maybe six, despite what the doctors said. She was a strong woman with a lot of fight in her. She'd had no other choice, growing up in the throes of World War II, when sailors came and went, far more went than came, week by week on the Santa Barbara coast. At three, she watched her father head off to the Pacific, with only her young mother to keep house until he returned. He never did return, but house was still kept. Her mother found work to support the family, and Mimi came into her own. As her mother tended to her various jobs, Mimi learned to make her own lunch, get herself to and from school, and help with the wash. She fetched fresh eggs from the chickens out back for breakfast every morning. And after school, she went from door to door selling the remaining eggs to help pay the bills. And every night before Sunday morning's mass, she polished her single pair of shoes. A hand-me-down pair of saddle Oxfords she wore every day. Until her mother discovered she'd worn them so thin, her socks had become her soles. Mimi knew a new pair, even hand-me-downs was a luxury her mother could not afford. Mimi was resourceful, determined, hopeful. She was born to be a fighter. So when she didn't make it to five months or the hoped for six, we were all surprised and severely heartbroken. That she defied the doctor's expectations and made it a hair over four months? That was Mimi for you. My stomach churns as I think about Mimi's last two weeks, which were spent in a coma, no matter what science or the professionals say. I believe that those final weeks were Mimi's private time. She could hear us, she listened, she even talked to us in her own special, spiritual way. She wasn't in some kind of a limbo, nor was she already passing. No, Mimi had a plan. As a real spitfire with the warmest heart, brightest smile, and kindest soul, She fought for those four months and eventually let herself fall peacefully asleep. She knew her time was coming and made peace with the fact. A few days before she set off for her final private moments of peace in her coma, she reminded me that it's always important to give life a run for its money and take on its challenges with vigor. But we have only a lease on life, Gracie, she said. I fingered the patchwork quilt that had decoratively dressed the foot of her bed for years. She had it pulled up to her chin, keeping her frail body warm. I know, Mimi, I said, trying to fight back the urge to cry, to wrap her in my arms, to beg for her not to leave me. Not yet, but as Mimi encouraged, I stayed strong. Life's a temporary gift, and we have to make the most of it. Mimi's voice was authoritative, despite heavy doses of painkillers. I brought my fingers up to the side of her wrinkled face, and brushed back a stray curly lock of gray hair, looking into her gray-blue eyes, the same ocean color as mine, as my mother's, as my sister's. The K-lady's eyes. I nodded, letting her know I understood. And, Mimi said through a sigh, when it's time to turn in the keys, you turn them in. She gave me that familiar, bright, rosebud-lipped smile. The lights go off, the door closes. Oh, Mimi, I cut in, not fond of the moribund turn. She brought up her heavily wrinkled hand. The knuckles knobby has the roots of a centuries-old oak from years of arthritis. She snapped her fingers and said sprightly, but you go out with a bang. My head snaps up, and I take a quick sniff in as I feel a hand grip my right shoulder. I come to from my days and look to my right, thinking-